On today's Sports and Rec, we talk about sports potentially making a return, a golf event this weekend, and season one of Upload. Then we continue our Parks and Rec rewatch as we complete the first season, and we finish up with a discussion of episodes seven and eight of The Last Dance. Hope you enjoy the pod. Welcome to Sports and Rec. I'm Anthony Restivo alongside Casey McGarvey. Today is Thursday, May 14th. Casey, are we about to have sports finally i don't know uh, i don't know um there's still a lot of red tape to cut through before i think we're gonna have sports um i'm, I'm thrilled that they're trying to try to figure out a way um to get sports back i'd love for them to come back but i'm also not getting my hopes up not yeah yet. i think it's funny that baseball is leading the way here when they've been like the one that's fallen off as like in popularity yet i actually kind of like their plan a lot mostly because i think it's just improvements to their current structure so like the, it's july start um which i think is good and then it's 82 games which that's my favorite part of the plan i hate the 162 game season it's so long it just drags out i hate how much it takes up sports center highlights they're just so boring to watch there's the same stuff like over and over again just like the top plays or it's just a guy diving for a catch in in the outfield it's just a boring sport to me now but i'm excited to watch baseball again and and it gets something potentially i also love the universal dh rule that they're considering too I don't, I don't think it's ever going to get past the money point that 50-50 revenue split players will never agree to. Uh, and they shouldn't. Like The owners are, are kind of trying to take advantage of them, in my opinion. I, I think it's unfair that they would be, ask them to do that because I think it also sets it up for negotiations further on that would really just screw them over. Yeah, and MLB is a loan on cap league in America. Um, right. Players make a lot of money, and I'd say out of all the players' association, that one has the most strength um so i I don't know that they're it's going to be interesting to see the negotiations over the next few weeks of how this goes you know different states different players are uncomfortable with things i don't know if you saw but california um no on-campus classes in the fall for all california state schools um i don't know how that's going to trickle down through the rest of california um and known state-by-state requirements and different things how is it going to be fair and then just players in general thinking about their safety um, and what they can can and can't handle and do they want to be separated from their family for so long. I know they already are as professional athletes a lot of time, but this could potentially be like zero contact with their family with the amount of people they're going to be around, even right. if fans aren't in the stands. Yeah, and it's also like of all the sports to not have fans at, baseball would definitely be one of the toughest to, to like watch that would just be so quiet and so boring uh man that would be a tough one to, to kind of have like i think basketball could get away because you at least got the squeaking of the shoes and and it's very fast paced but like i don't know about i don't know about baseball being fanless in that large of a stadium too i believe baseball did it in baltimore a few years ago when they had some issues in baltimore oh with like the insects or something maybe it was the insects i can't remember but i believe they did do a game in front of uh no fans and it was really awkward when you saw like a foul ball going to the stands and just <laughs> go in there and then i know a number of times in europe um with different soccer games if there's major fan issues they don't play in front of any fans and that even looks kind of weird uh with big soccer games going on in these massive stadiums and no one can see them yeah I've thought for basketball and maybe football, it wouldn't be super weird 
to see. Um, but for some of those other ones, it's a little bit slower paced and not a lot going on, especially with soccer. I mean, the, the, a lot of the chant, like the fans doing their chants in the stadium kind of really takes up the, the sound and gives you the atmosphere. Whereas, you know, basketball and football doesn't feel as necessary and you can mic up players who could be do something interesting there. But baseball and soccer just so slow paced. I, those ones are tough. Like hockey would do well too, I think. Um, but so, some of them, I don't know. Like I, baseball, that's a tough one. It was interesting when the, when the first COVID just began, the NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament was starting for division three. And I know a number of schools had some games with no fans in it. And um, I believe a coach got teed up for saying something that would never would have been heard yeah. if there had been fans in the stands. Right. <laughs> so it'd be really interesting, like a coach who tries to, you know, say something softly because you can't hear it over the crowd or something, or, you know, a coach trying to call timeout when they don't have one or don't want one. And sometimes they get missed in crowd noises, like nothing will get missed. No mistakes would get missed. Uh, but I believe LeBron James said he really wasn't interested in playing um, without fans. Yeah, I do remember him saying that at the start of all of this. I don't know if he's changed his tune, though, because he did have that, which is, we'll get to that, but the NBA seems to be at least turning a corner into a little bit more optimistic after a little bit more of a pessimistic um, kind of feeling earlier in the week. But uh, I think the players are spearheading that, but we'll see, I guess. I, I think all these leagues, it's a race to be the first one. Do you think so? I would have argued that I it's almost better to be the second one and kind of second to follow just to see what does the first one mess up and do they and then you can learn from it and make the adjustments as needed um that would be my thought like maybe second to i mean they all want to because they all want the money and the attention um when they can get it but at the same time if you know baseball is the first one to come back and then basketball were to follow i think basketball could learn a lot from what the baseball did and then go from there It'll be interesting. I, I see what you're saying there with trying to be the second team and then letting one 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 league make mistakes and then you kind of correct them. But I think just the publicity someone will get. I mean, everybody was just talking about UFC this weekend. Right, so true. On, they were talking about it and talking about it and playing it over and over again on ESPN. Um, so I think being that first team back or first league back could be huge. But I also see what you mean. If something goes wrong, everybody's going to know about it too. And it's going to be huge. So, and you'll be kind of blamed for like yeah. maybe no leagues following up. Like there might not even be a second league to be able to follow and, and improve on anything. We'll see how that all ends up playing out. Um, there's probably a lot of nerves between that too, whether they want to do things right. I know Adam Silver has kind of said if if we have to shut the league down because of like one positive test, then like it's probably not worth coming back um, because I think his assumption is it's probably going to happen. So we need to have a, a plan in place when it does happen and know what that means. Because if it's one person does positive, shut it down, then like, what's the point? And again, that's actually the, the larger question of all of this. What, what is the point? Like we're talking about this just because we love sports and care about it. There's obviously bigger things to, to be thinking about and caring about. Um, I think we're all just excited because we're, we love sports and, and want something to distract us and give, keep our attention. But um, in all reality, none of this matters. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I just keep going back to is the NCAA canceled March Madness, which is their moneymaker for the year. Like they yeah. made a lot of money off that, and they realized how serious the situation was and canceled that. So, I mean, making that kind of the marker for, like, they wouldn't cancel this, they wouldn't cancel that. Well, one of the biggest things in this country sports-wise did get canceled. So, 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how this does play out for sure. But I'm glad. I'm glad they're trying. Um, it seems like they're also not just trying to throw something together. They're they're pretty right. serious about it. But um, I'm glad conversations are going on. Yeah, they're not rushing into it. I think they're being really smart about it. And as long as it, you know, if, if everyone's on board for it, then it's hard to argue with it. Like if the owners, the league, um, and the players are all in agreement with everything, then that's all that really matters. Um, but if there's like you, we were talking about the baseball, if the owners and players can get on the same page, then that's not worth coming back about. But it seems like the NBA I think that's what the pessimism was around earlier in the week is there didn't seem to be uh, a full-on agreement between the players and, and the league and, and the owners. Um, but I think that might have changed. That's uh, The players got more involved directly as opposed to using their rep. Um, so we'll see what, what ends up happening. I, that's the one, I, honestly, I, I'm most excited about that one because I think they would likely go into a very short in rest of the season and a very quick into the playoffs and and adam silver has done a really good job as a commissioner um since he's taken over and i think he would do something uh, really smart there uh plus i'm i'm most interested in watching those games without uh fans because i don't think i need them um so from that end uh, i would be really excited for that i think you'll notice momentum shifts or the lack there of momentum shifts a lot more um I don't know if home court will have quite the same um, advantage. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So it could make it almost almost like neutral site games. Yeah, which is kind of exciting too. Uh, I think that's an interesting way to approach it. Um, it will lead to a lot of uh, eventual discussions around what this, if there is an end of the season, um, how it holds up against the rest of history um, and whether people tie an asterisk to it or, or talk about it a little differently than than they would others. I don't think it would need one, um, but it definitely is an unprecedented time, so it's hard to know how it will be talked about in years to come. I, I think there will be an asterisk no matter what. I'm not, I'm not trying to use asterisks in a negative way because um, I, I work in uh, athletic communications at a college. Um, obviously, the spring season, even just for historical reference, you know, you just get down 50 years from now, I think you do have to put an asterisk on these spring sports and just, you know, COVID-19 season was shortened because, you know, at, at the NCAA level, there's no champions. There's no lot, there's no All-Americans. There's no All-Conference. There's a lot of things that didn't happen. Um, so whether, I'm not saying there needs to be, if something does come back, I don't think you need to put an asterisk next to a champion. Um, like, oops, they, you know, they won a championship, but right. it's real. You know, they, they just went through three a three month off period. Um, couldn't do anything. It's not like they got a free vacation. So it's right. a different struggle than a regular season. Um, but I do think there needs to be some sort of asterisk. But again, not a negative asterisk. Just you know, a, a notation of what happened this year. Right. Yeah. Just as a marker of this is what happened in this season in particular. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, in addition to those two leagues, I know the MLS not fully in talks about coming back as a as a league yet but they were in at least there's an idea around an all-team tournament um in june that seems a little quick the july start date for the baseball seems around the right time frame for anything coming back um but interesting that mls is also thinking about things and trying to find ways to do it and it would be just in orlando uh, from what i could see um but yeah, that seems like a little bit too quick uh, on their end. But it would make them one of the first major leagues to kind of 
come back and start again. That'll be interesting. Um, it's still a lot of people. That yeah, is teams in one place. I mean, I don't care if you don't have fans or anything. And then I understand, you know, these are their players' jobs. This is how they support their families. This is how they make money for their families. But you're also taking some freedoms away from these players. Like you have to come down here. You can't see your family for the whole time you're down here. You you can't do this. You can't do that. So you're just kind of taking away general freedoms away from some of these players. And then I believe they're also having um, some salary issues within the MLS. Um, owners have asked players to agree to a 20% salary reduction. Um, so I think there's other stuff underneath all this that's a little contentious. Um, but I think that could be big for the MLS if they can work it out because they've soccer's always struggled to get going in America and maybe, you know, a little just just MLS time could could be a blessing for them. Yeah, and I think as long, like we talked about earlier, as long as the players – are okay with, with either the cuts or um, being away from their families and, and kind of fully understanding that, um, then I think I'm okay with it too. Um, and I, I just hope the players don't um, feel pressured or kind of give in to some of the demands in order to come back too. Because um, I think they're kind of at the, they don't have as much power in terms of like they should. And I, I would say that the players shouldn't give it an inch in terms of the the payments and and how that works but it's hard and as if they're all on board um then that then that has my support otherwise if there's some other stuff that happens um and not the best way uh and it comes back i feel a little bit less uh good about everything in addition to the other health concerns but in addition to the players not um fully being on board with it either it's interesting you said that because um you're right there like some Obviously, different players make different amount of money. You have the superstars that make a lot of money. When sponsorships and ads, and some of them, they're still getting paid right now because they can still do ads. Right, but then you have players who don't make a lot of money, and they might be kind of like, well, I don't have a choice. I need to play. I need to get a paycheck. So that is also something I didn't think of that that would go into this. You know, yeah, some players might put their safety aside and just be like, screw it, I need a paycheck. Let's, let's just get this over with. And then you got kind of like the superstars. You're like, yeah, I don't need to play right now. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'll wait. Right. I'm, I'm quite fine right now. So uh, that will also be another dynamic I didn't really think of. Yeah, and I think the NBA, that's the, the approach they took with like, I think they had like 10 of the top players in the league all on a call. Um, and so um, getting all their perspectives, I think, is enough to kind of speak for and kind of represent a lot of the playoff teams in addition to that. Um is a good way of, of approaching it. Most of the other players seem to be okay with it as well, which helps. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for the conversations. I'm excited to see the thought going into it, and we'll see how it plays out. Um, but there is, even if the leagues um, are still trying to figure things out, we do have golf happening this weekend, and it's not the Tiger, uh, Phil, Peyton, Brady uh, matchup that we had talked about earlier a couple episodes ago. Um, it's actually between real all pro golfers. Um, so there is a skins game happening on Saturday between Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy are, are teaming up and they're facing off against Ricky Fowler and Matt Wolf, who I actually had never heard of. Um, he's apparently a 21 year old, just turned professional last summer, but he's an alumni of the same school as Fowler, Oklahoma State. So I don't know if that played a factor into it. He actually has already won a PGA tournament. Um, was one of the first people to win 
uh, an NCAA title or an NCAA tournament and a PGA title in the same year. Tiger's one of the other ones to do that. So I'm guessing that guy's pretty good. Um, so that'll be exciting to watch that. This uh, four or two v two golf matchup on the weekend. It's a nice way to kind of casually get that nap in too. And golf takes a little bit longer, but um, but just see how that and get some competition in a sport I actually enjoy watching. Yeah, there's nothing better than golf nap. I'll definitely oh, yeah. join in on this for sure. Um, I think I'm more excited for this one than I am for the the exhibition, I guess I would call it, with Tiger, Tom, Peyton, and Phil. Um, I, I like pretty much all these guys. And like I said, I don't know much about Wolf. I know Oklahoma State has an outstanding golf program. Um, but I think this will be fun because these guys also get along with each other. So I think you'll still get the fun aspect that you right. that people think will get from the that exhibition with Tiger and Phil. But also these guys are unreal golfers. We're going to see some outstanding shots. Um, it'll move along at a good pace because it's just two pairs. Um, are they playing, you know, every other shot, best ball? Or, it's know, a skins game. So all I know is it's just I think whoever wins the hole. Um, I have a feeling they would do something similar with the Ryder Cup does. So like, someone tees off and then they each shoot the next shot. Um, alternating shot, you think? I think. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. Either way, I'm excited uh, just for the competition again. And I think, uh, I'm not sure if this one's also raising money for a good cause. It might be, um, which would be exciting, too. It's just uh, golf's one of the easiest ones to, to social distance. I know that a lot of the golf courses in the New England area have started to open up because it is one of the easier sports to um, not be around other people, especially if you're hitting your ball in the woods like me and you do sometimes. Yeah, so. Um, so yeah, it's definitely easy to, uh, socially distance if you're the one hanging out in the woods while the other person's on the green. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see these, uh, these guys, especially I, Ricky's one of my favorite golfers. DJ is one of the best in, in the, in the world. Same. I mean, they all are. Uh, and then Rory's, uh, a lot, can be a lot of fun to watch too. And I'm excited to see this wolf guy cause I've never seen him. Um, not, don't, don't know much about him. Um, but I think that will be a fun one. I'll definitely put that on my uh, DVR, so to speak, uh, and give that a watch this weekend. For sure. Um, something else I watched um, over the last week, I mentioned it actually as a show I was excited about, and I already breezed through it, was Upload. So I was talking about it. Um, it's like uh, the way I described it is like The Good Place meets Black Mirror meets Dead to Me. So it's got a lot of elements of this afterlife uh, world and but it's a futuristic world so it takes place in like 2033 um, and basically what happens is you can upload your consciousness when you're um, dying into these like digital worlds kind of like oh the best way to describe it is probably like a simulation um, where you are yourself but you're just in a world where no one else is alive yet other people can kind of vr themselves into that world so you like you could interact with people that are still living um through phone calls or if they put on like the right headset or suit they can actually be in the world walking next to you um which is an interesting concept uh, but then there's like elements of obviously they they kind of really go at and criticize technology and corporations in the future like this place is not heaven so to speak you have to do like in-app purchases in order to get certain things so there's a funny element to that um and it's not everything that you want like there's still ads and promos that they will do because it's run by a corporation in the real world 
Um, and then there's a mystery element to one of the main characters, like how did this person die? Um, and whether that was a completely legitimate, like natural death. Um, and so a lot of elements there. So rom com uh, comedy, dark humor, technology, sci-fi mixed with some mystery, uh, elements to it. So I was right in my alley. I really enjoyed it. It sounds a little bit like, uh, the world in ready player one. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. So similar to that, I guess. Well, some... I mean, I know they don't die, but that world right. sounds kind of similar. That you got to buy things and different things like that to yeah. upgrade and still move along in that world. So no, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I thought it was really well done. With anything like only one season of something, I, I, we were talking about this before. Is you kind of need to spend a little bit more time with the characters, get to know them a little bit better, um, get more invested in them. Um, you don't usually like love a show after one season necessarily. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I'm excited to see uh, where it goes. I won't give away any spoilers or anything like that. Um, but I know it already was picked up for a season two, so I'm excited for that. Um, see which direction they uh, end up leading the show in and uh, what they do. Uh, because it ended in a really exciting way um, and a really funny way to um, be keeping me thinking about it, to be wondering what's going to happen next. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. So recommendation from me for sure um for people to dive into especially if you like any of the shows that i mentioned and i actually i haven't actually watched black mirror but when i was watching it with sam she was saying um oh this kind of reminds me of black mirror so and she doesn't like everything that i like either um so she was super into it and watched it all the way through with me um so that was a another positive to that um to be able to watch that together um which will lead us perfectly into our parks and rec discussion um we were going to dive into uh, episodes four and six to close out season one um as i try to explain to casey why parks and rec is a great show and casey tries to tell me why it's not a great show i think he'll end up leading after this um after this uh week and this season just because i already told him and said that season one is not the best uh version of parks and rec a lot of things. Not a good version of any TV show. It's <laughs> terrible. All right. Well, go <laughs> off. Go off. <laughs> like I said you earlier. I, I thank God. I, I believe you that these next seasons will be good, but I can't believe people stuck around for this first season of Parks and Rec because it's terrible. It's not funny. It's bad. It's scripted. I don't think it's very good. Um, so what about it? Like, what in particular? What were some of like your things that stood out as things you didn't like? I just think every joke is incredibly scripted. It, it like, I don't think it's like very natural of any of these characters. I understand it's a comedy and a lot of these shows, it's not supposed to be like day to day life, but a lot of these jokes, just not like, I think we talked about, you know, Leslie is dumb. Like no one's that dumb in any sort of life. Like you can have someone who is, you know, innocent and believes in the politics like she does, but she also comes off as very dumb. Um, you know, Andy's character don't particularly have any use for him. Um, it's just how these <laughs> characters interact with each other. So I'm glad season one was only six episodes long. Um, you know, I'm hoping, you know, next season I dive in and I see all these changes you, you're alluding to that these uh the show does get better and 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 props to them for changing it and realizing the show stinks yeah um because i don't think they would have made it through another season with how the characters and everybody interacted with each other um so like you said looking forward 
looking forward to maybe getting my opinion changed next season. So, all right, well, let's go episode by episode um, and talk about some of the the key parts of it um, that we liked and disliked. I obviously come at it with a different perspective because I'm also thinking ahead to some of these other things and noticing things. So I'll point those out. Um, but episode four, this was, I won't do a full synopsis like we did last time. Um, but it's basically Leslie is attempting to kind of, uh, join this faux, not even a real thing, boys club, uh, where these guys in the government kind of hang out and just drink beers and, and talk about nothing. Um, but she thinks that's where all the moves are and like kind of, uh, you know, politicking happens. So she's trying to join in cause it's, it's just guys, um, and she's a woman in that world, so she's trying to break in, and that's the whole episode. Um, and some of the things that stood out as as being really funny to me um, were Tom's mo- mock interview of Leslie um, when she breaks the rules and and uses a gift uh, that was like gifted to the government, but they're not supposed to accept gifts from outside over a certain amount of money because it can kind of lead to you being beholden to somebody else. Um, but she ends up opening it and is worried about what that means for her getting in trouble. Um, but Tom starts to do a mock interview with her and asks her how many, um, drinks she has per week on a scale from zero to six. And Leslie, uh, says like, uh, three, uh, and then, uh, Tom's like, I'm going to write down 10 <laughs> and then, uh, asks her about her sexual partners. And Leslie says zero to six, and Tom's gonna like I'll write down zero <laughs> for that. I just thought that was really funny between those two. Their dynamic is really funny, and how much Tom kind of, even though she's his boss, he will mess with her still. Um, so I still like them. Um, the other one, this is less, uh, it's more lighthearted, is when Ron sticks up for Leslie in that interview when it actually happens. Has someone that like hates the government in general, like it's kind of. Uh, funny to see him stick up for someone like that and and kind of um show his leadership and his connection with leslie which ends up growing stronger in my opinion um but he stands up for leslie he stands up for his beliefs and no government and bureaucracy that just happens to be leslie um no but they show there's that subtle moment where uh he like leslie thanks him and then he she leaves and he's smiling because he knows he did something good, but he won't want to admit it. Um, so I think it plays a factor in that he doesn't like the government, but he was also, he didn't have to do anything for her there. And I thought that was just um, a nice sign of where the relationship's going to go between those two because they are like super close with each other. Um, so that was another big part uh, of it that I really liked. And you also start to see Leslie and Anne's friendship continue to grow. So like Anne's just hanging out at the government office with them. So she's there when they first start drinking the beers. Um, and then even Anne stopping by after her, her nursing shift to hang out um, and be with her it starts to show like how the two are starting to become really close friends. Um, so those are some of the key highlights uh, for me. Um, before we get in, anything for you that you actually liked or things specifically that you hated about it? Episode four? Uneventful for me. Um, I mean, most of this stuff is uneventful and kind of stretching. Um, I'm sure I'll have a lot more notes. They threw poop at each other to start the episode. Yeah, that was kind of funny. <laughs> those, I, I can see those like beginning montages growing of like those like, oh, yeah. one-off things um, growing into something funny. Um, I I can see those eventually becoming funny. 
throwing poop at each other. I think it's a little out there, but it's. <laughs> Um, and then in episode five, Leslie's mom uh, is being honored with an award, um, and Leslie tries to use that to get some other political favors from, um, and uses her mom as the inspiration for attempting to do that. Um, nothing. This this episode is kind of a, a wash for me. There's nothing really good about it. I just thought it was funny Leslie's haircut and how she goes to the barber and gets like a a classic like almost Ron's haircut because Ron ends up seeing it and he's like. Oh, nice haircut. I really like it. <laughs> um, but other than that, not much more to it except that um, Leslie and Anne get into their first fight, um, which is another sign of their relationship growing because they start to challenge each other. And it also shows Leslie's unwillingness to become like a slimy politician, which is what her mom's trying to get her to do by by uh, blackmailing someone else. Um, but she won't give in to that. So I thought that was good, kind of her standing up for her beliefs and, and who she is and, and kind of encouraging her to do that. I think that's end up why their relationship becomes uh, what it is. Um, so those were some of the nice things for me. Um, Tom's peacocking strategy at the bar, uh, wearing that orange bucket hat was really funny. Um, so those are some of the standouts for me. Anything from you in that episode? I know that one was kind of a, a not one of my favorite episodes. No, I thought it was a little bit funny when um, people thought Leslie and Anne were a couple with the way Leslie was. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that one guy just kept coming up to me like, I thought you guys were so brave. You're so brave, yeah. And, um, Especially in like a uh, a state like that where I, uh, I think they were trying to reference that. It's probably not a common thing that that town sees. Uh, so that was kind of a, a funny approach to that. Uh, Especially when Anne was completely thrown off guard and told to dress up way more than she should have for the event. And then the last one, the finale. So this is actually the negative I have is I just hate how the season ends. It doesn't really lead to anything. It's like I said, the first season of season uh, of Parks and Rec is very similar to the first season of The Office to me in that there's not really any uh, plot lines that hold up or, or there's a lot of um, things left hanging and it doesn't really lead to anything. Especially like the ending doesn't really um, lend you to be like super excited for what comes next. I mean, you're wondering, but not like, um, which I wouldn't expect from a comedy anyway, but not like a Breaking Bad cliffhanger or in a comedy sense, like The Office cliffhanger at the end of season two is super exciting. Like that's um, one of the the best ones in, in my opinion. Um, but uh, this one, not too much. The funniest parts, uh, Andy's band names. Um where he lists off, I counted 18 previous band names. So I talked about this being like one of the through lines, uh, a joke that kind of carries on throughout the show. And it will also continue even beyond this episode. And he literally changes the band's name mid show, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Um, but I uh, just learning more about him um, and we can rank his band names. I'll read off uh, all of them. Cause I wrote them down and see which ones sit out to you. But Andy's band name, Scarecrow Boat, which is what they're known at the time. Mouse Rat, which is what he ends up switching it to and mentions as that was a name that they had before. Uh, Teddy Bear Suicide, God Hates Figs, Department of Homeland Obscurity, Three Skin, Just a Tip, Flames for Flames, Muscle Confusion, Nothing Rhymes with Orange, Everything Rhymes with Orange, Rad Wagon, Puppy Pendulum, Possum Pendulum, Penis Pendulum, Handrail Suicide, Angel Snack, Jet Black Pope and Punch Face Champions. What are your top five band names of those? I don't know. Oh my god. 
Um, I'm curious if he would that was scripted or if he just made all these names up off the top of his head when he was uh, recording it. I think it was a little bit of improv because I ended up seeing like a uh, a deleted scene where he lists off a bunch of other ones. So it seems like he was just trying different things and they just kept some of the best, funnier ones in. Um, but there's a whole bunch more that he lists out that don't even make it into the, sh- the episode. <laughs> They're just all so random. I don't even know where to start with a top five. Um <sighs> I'll go. Uh, yeah, where everything number one, everything rhymes with orange because I love that nothing actually rhymes with orange because then that's his second band name is nothing uh, rhymes with orange. Uh, three punch face champions, uh, just because I have no idea what that means and it just sounds like it would be a, like most of these still sound like they could be band names, which yeah. is what I love about them. Um, Department of Homeland Obscurity. I just thought that was funny. And then Just a Tip. I think it's just a great name for a band, um, especially for Andy's band. But I, I just more so think it's kind of funny. Like, it just seems like a typical band that plays at bars or stuff. Like, ah, we'll hit it big with this band. Right. We'll do this and that. And he actually could sing, which was kind of impressive. Um, I yeah, that's I- actually a song that gets introduced right now is one that he'll sing later on, too. Like, it holds a lot of weight. I thought the Ann song was funny. This man <laughs> realizes he's in trouble. This is a song for Ann. La di da di da. No, he clearly had that boyfriend. Like, ah, shit, I'm in trouble. Uh, right, right. Maybe I can fix this with a nice little song. So, but yeah, I thought that 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 whole thing is funny. That's a funny bit that they continue on throughout the the show. Um, and then some of the other uh, stuff. I thought it was funny that like people started congratulating Mark for getting the speed bump lowered two inches, and he realized he's like my uh, like ability to accomplish anything and can actually be measured. <laughs> and like even Leslie ends up complimenting about it later on too, and people are just making a big deal about the speed bump getting lowered two inches, and he just does not care about it at all. He's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that yay like good job me like i was able to do this thing <laughs> what a guy getting a speed bump lowered to it exactly but the minutia of like local government and the small little th- uh, wins that you can experience um but one of the positives of that is just again leslie just being so positive about everything um which they do end up carrying that through into the future season so getting little uh bits and pieces of that and even when mark's like laying when they're sitting by the pit um, and Mark's laying out all the roadblocks to being able to, to make the pit into a park. And Leslie's like, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and Mark kind of telling her, I, I admire your tenacity. Um, that's definitely uh, a key Leslie Nope trait. So that I'm happy at least they're laying the seeds for her and like some things that they can build off of and, and, and use to make her character better and use those uh, elements of her personality to like make her character really uh, what it becomes. Um, I also thought uh, Mark falling into the pit again, now being the third person to fall he's into the pit. Yeah. Hard. yeah. Oh, man. He, like, cracked his face, and I thought that's funny how Andy just gets back in the house as he's laughing. Yep, yep. <laughs> but, yeah, those, those are some of the key moments. Again, I think um, I'll have more, but there's not a lot to go off of here. There wasn't a lot of plot development, just some uh, characters kind of being introduced or starting to see... Um, the introductions of the relationships and that in the dynamics and it's you, got a lot to improve on asking you who have who's watched this multiple times could you totally skip season one 
That's a good question. Um, I've said that you could for The Office. Um, I still feel that way about The Office. Um, although over the years, I've I've kind of come to appreciate some of those early episodes. Um, even though I know like Michael's a completely different person um, in season two. Um, but I think some of the elements of it, like Jim and Pam getting introduced to those two and and what that situation is and, and then the Jim Dwight relationship. Um, but I think that's kind of where this is too. It's like Leslie, Ron, Leslie and Tom and uh, Leslie and Anne, like those relationships are starting, but you'll see them really blossom in the next season. Um, but I think you probably could get away with skipping it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a hundred percent required for me. It's like so quick to get through. Like it's so easy though. Like that, that's 20 minute episodes, six of them. That's less than a movie. Six episodes, too many. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe change your tune. We'll see how I like season two. If big changes come. It'll be a whole new show. So. But I'll agree with you so far that like season one, not a great thing. But um, that's not the the way to fully judge it yet. All right. All right. All right. And then we are at episode seven and eight of The Last Dance. Um, the MJ Doc, we are finally coming to a close in this, and I am super sad about it. Um, but these were some of the best episodes of the docuseries, in my opinion. Um, a, a lot less on the basketball side of things and very much about MJ as a person. Um, and I loved it. What were your initial thoughts and reactions to the two episodes? No, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, I went back and forth a lot on this one. Um, I, I struggle a little bit, um, with how much control Jordan has over this documentary. Um, that's fair, I, but, but it's his story too. So I think it's fair that he gets to do it. I actually wish we had more interview time with him. Um, cause I actually could care like in some instances, Dennis Rodman is fascinating, but also I could care less at the same time, um, in the context of this documentary, uh, documentary. But yeah, I agree. It's it's one thing that has to be important to call it out. Um, but it, I think it's also okay to ignore it in, in some ways too. Yeah. That being said, it was you know people had a lot to say about his opinions about being competitive and being the best. And you know some people are like, well, that's what you need to do. And some people are like, well, he's just being a jerk. And I don't think anybody else knows because. 99% of the world has never been the best at something. Right. So if that worked for him and that's what made the Bulls that successful, and it clearly was the Jordan effect because two years he was gone, they weren't great. The years he was there, he built something there. And he's right. They stunk when he got there and he built that franchise to what it was. Like that, there, I don't think there's any argument or anything. You can't deny that. There's nobody else that is the key to that organization like Michael Jordan was, or I think any organization ever is going to have a key like him. So I don't think anybody can disagree with what he says about being competitive because they it worked for him and be no one. I don't think there's there very few people in the world that can compare to what he did being like a round table with Michael Jordan and discuss what it means to be the best, very limited um, um, audience. Yeah, and it's hard to argue the results, like you were saying. And and actually, the players could, were kind of saying is, yeah, he was an asshole. He was a jerk. But we won. And that's what they cared about. And that's kind of what 
I love the way the, the episode ended where he, he starts off by saying, I didn't ask anyone to do anything that I wasn't or wouldn't do myself. And on top of that, he ended up saying, he's like, and if you don't want to play that way, then don't. That's I, that's, that's how I'm going to play, though. And he got really emotional about that because I think he recognizes the sacrifices that he ended up making. Uh, I mean, he's on a second marriage. I'm sure he didn't get to spend as much time with his kids as um, LeBron has been able to uh, as a as a comparable option. Um, and even Kobe during his time because um, I think he's probably the, the closest we've seen to MJ in terms of the parallel of, of that mentality um, and competitiveness. And so I, I think they they recognized what they sacrificed and what they missed, but it was all for what they actually wanted to accomplish. And it was to, like MJ said, I wanted my teammates to win. It wasn't just about him. He wanted the team to win. He, he believed in everyone, and that was what his goals were, and he was going to do whatever it took to accomplish them. Um, and actually, in all reality, did you think he was that much of a jerk in the clips that they showed? I mean, some of it was, like, more than I would have experienced, but, like, it's not something completely unknown to people that are in competitive like we like have seen it not again not to this level but like people would call each other names and talk shit to each other in practice and there'd be times where you could shove each other and get into a little bit of a heated argument i also think there is this again this is a little bit of the control of jordan of how much of a like it's one thing to talk about the bad optics but to really see them and what he allowed to be filmed and not filmed um, I believe one of his teammates who's not in any of these episodes, I think if he was the big man in Australian, they had a uh, Luke Longley. Yeah, they had a horrendously bad relationship. Um, him and Charles Barkley do not speak anymore after some mm. comments Charles Barkley has made. So well, I mean he holds grudges. <laughs> he does hold grudges. He made up ones. Um, and I think, you know, Jordan's willing to talk about it, but I think he's also controlling the narrative still a little bit and not like letting you like there's no video of the Steve Kerr fight because I don't think that was a season they were filming, but you know they both played off as it was a good thing, but you know that probably was really contentious. Um, you know we don't see much of him picking on Scott, but yeah. after that you know got to a level of like what are you doing, Mike? Like lay off him a little bit. Like yeah, well, I mean you get a cup of water. I mean the fact that you have to like go and um, he was like actively seeking out people to like start fights with them is kind of a little weird. And then, like I said, some of the made up grudges is borderline crazy in some aspects. I mean, that's kind of a sign of how competitive he was and, and how in some ways unchallenged he was and he had to make up stuff in order to kind of push himself and motivate himself. Um, but on some levels too, it's not unheard of too. Like he, said like i was trying to prepare people like if you can't handle me in a practice how are you gonna handle the knicks who don't give a shit about you and they will take you out they will knock your head off like and i think that's how the steve kerr fight kind of like happened he's gonna like that like that's how the knicks are gonna foul you kind of thing so get used to it that's not even a foul kind of stuff um so there was intention behind it whether it was and it seemed like it was well-meaning is it the best way of approaching it i mean probably not i mean i was a person that wasn't like that but i was super competitive and i know that there's been other players that have been super successful um without having to do that like tim duncan and i think bill russell wasn't even like that and he won 11 titles you could probably argue phil jackson was never like that and he's one of the most successful coaches of all time um so there's an argument to be had to push back against it 
But in terms of like MJ and Kobe uh, and Kobe, that was just what they believed was the necessary way to to see the the success that they wanted, and it was what they were willing and wanting to put into it. Um, and it's hard to argue when that's like what you're interested in. The results bear itself out. Um, and again, like some of the stuff, like language wise and, and like calm people hoes and. Uh, whatever he was doing there. I, I actually, I think my ex- expectations were so much higher that it was going to be so bad what we were going to see. And it doesn't make him look great either, th- just to be clear. But again, like having played competitive sports, sometimes you get very similar types of stuff in those things. And, and I put on some really shitty teams where people were really terrible with each other. And you could see people arguing and fighting in the locker room and, and stuff like that. So it, it's not unheard of if People are really competitive and frustrated with either their own play or someone else's play, and it's impacting, you know, the team not winning. People are gonna let those frustrations out, uh, especially if you care, which most of the time people do, especially in competitive sports. For sure. And again, I think we didn't get to see all of what he would actually say to people. I mean, I agree. You no, know, we did at a point see Kobe use a gay slur. I don't think Kobe is in any way racist, sexist, you know, homophobic or any way, but. Sometimes those words just come out. Um, yeah, I think those things MJ might have, you know, that either wasn't on camera or things like that probably happened in the heat of the moment. But again, he didn't want that sort of stuff in the documentary because that starts a whole different conversation that I don't think needs to be had, especially when you're dealing with competition, testosterone, heat of the moment, heat of the moment, stuff like that. So, but I, I think his explanation of being the best um, was pretty good. I don't think anybody can argue with it. If someone argues with it, they better be the best at something because um, I don't think they have a leg to stand on. Yeah. Well, how do you think – so um, the first episode starts off. Uh, we learn about uh, his father's uh, untimely death when he's murdered um, and then how the media gets looped into that and, and in some ways they started to um, unprofessionally in a lot of ways and – and without anything to back it up, um, that he's somewhat responsible because of his gambling. Um, there are some rumors there with no, no nothing to back that up, um, but it leads to him eventually retiring. Um, so, what did you think of his or all of that? But then his baseball kind of um, hiatus. I'm not going to say that his gambling had anything to do with it. I don't think it did either. I think everyone seems to think that that was completely made up and nothing to, to build off of. I don't think that's I think there's a lot more to Jordan's gambling than they're letting on in this. I don't believe it has anything to do with his father's death. Um, but I, I think there is more to his gambling than... than do you believe David Stearns? No. Um, like, yeah. I kind of did like, why would you just let Jordan walk away for that long and lose all that money? Like, yeah, cash cow. People love to watch him. It's hard for me to believe that they would do a silent suspension like that um, and just let him go play baseball. So, yeah. Plus, MJ said it was. It seemed like it was a known thing that he was talking about. Whether people believed him or not is another thing. But it sounds like he was having the conversations with people about it um, even a year before that. I think he was going to retire whether his dad passed away or not. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think he was going to, I think it pushed him. I think it pushed him. Yeah. It might've because like the three, the three titles too seemed like he was mentally and physically exhausted on top of that. And then having his father pass away after all that, 
and his his first love kind of being baseball i think it all just everything kind of aligned and it was like this is the time to do it if i'm ever going to do it yeah now also they are telling a nice 10 hour story for us yeah so they're making sure all these events line up and move through the entire situation um so i mean that can always be part of it of how you best tell a story um but I definitely, even with or without the father's death, I sensed just from how they're telling the story that he was burnt out mentally, wanted to get away. There was nothing else for him to achieve in the NBA. You know, three championships, MVP, scoring titles, sponsorships, money, gold medals, everything. So um, I think he would have walked away either way. Um, I agree. Make a good point. That probably was a the final straw if there needed to be one was his father's death yeah i I definitely think it uh kind of was almost like the go ahead like this is the time to do it your your dad got to see you and you're all you know at the time his last title um and i think he was happy with that being the last game he was able to see him play and it's not a bad reason to to give something else a try and and call it quits with with basketball um which i learned a lot about his baseball thing so one the fact that Terry Francona was his manager, that's pretty wild. Uh, I did not know that he was his manager. Um, and for him to get someone like of that quality, because obviously Francona's a really great manager. Um, I did that. Um, I watched the 30 for 30, Jordan rides the bus. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But hey, you got to think about it. At 90, what, 94? Or 93, 94, Francona's not a name. No, no. I mean, he's a double-A manager. He's Nobody. Not, like, he's yeah. Not, that's how you make your way through the ranks. I saw a cool thing. Someone showed a clip of a Jordan at bat, and they had him. I don't know if it was a double-A championship or, or an all-star game or what it was, but they had Francona mic'd up at third. <laughs> back, in, back in the early 90s, like they're trying to do now with some MLB players during spring training. So I thought it was neat. You know, the announcers in the box were talking to Francona as he coached third base with, during a Jordan at bat. That's funny. Um, so I thought that was kind of neat. Um, well, how about the fact that he, the reason he started Double A was because the, the other lower farm system level teams couldn't handle the media, um, which it's it's almost kind of too bad for his career because I'm sure he would have benefited if he actually was super serious about baseball. Maybe he wasn't um, as serious as he either led us to believe or we might have thought. Um, but like. I feel like he would have benefited from being at the the lower tier and and moving up the ranks, the more natural um, and common way of doing it. Because Double A is not like a joke; it's still like some legit players down there. Um, and he's kind of just jumping into baseball after I don't know how many years until he last played it. I think this just proves you know professional athletes are on in, in a different world, different class than all of us, especially somebody like him that. Baseball is such a different sport and technical. Um, I don't totally believe, like all the people saying he would have made it to major league or anything like that. He might have, but hitting a baseball is so hard. Yeah. You can go through slumps. You got to get all the right breaks for you to get to that level. Um, I think most of the people saying that stuff, though, it was related to his work ethic and knowing that he would have put in the time more than others probably would have because he's just a nut about that stuff. Um, so I think that's where they're basing it on. I kind of agree with you, though. Cause it's not that easy to – like even some of the best prospects, uh, baseball prospects, don't even make it there. Um, Did you see that so, play made in the outfield, like trying to make that catch up at the warning track? And yeah. It's awful in that, so – 
It just didn't look natural either. He, he did not, even with his swing and stuff, like, it was fine. But, like, seeing him play basketball was so much more fluid and looked so much more like he was meant to be a basketball player. And the baseball didn't feel as natural. Another thing that benefited him is if the media, if only double A could handle the media, he was never going to get sent down. Right. So they played him a lot. They played yeah. him every day without any, uh, you could get sent down if you suck. Uh, right. No, he can't. Like he's staying at Double A, and that's fine. Like there's no if ands or buts. So I think the amount of time he got in the lineup, the amount of attention he probably got, in the comfort of not having to get up, get down, get moved around a lot, um, I think was big for his development. But yeah, I agree with that. He made that minor league team a boatload of money that summer. I'm sure in every place he stopped. Well, his uh, Bulls owner, too, just throwing in uh, – he owned both of those teams, so I'm sure he was fine with that um, kind of carrying over to his other team that he owned. Well, I don't uh, know he owned – did he own the White Sox or the minor league team? The White Sox, which I'm sure – doesn't that feed into the overarching? It depends um, on the contract. Oh, really? When we were in Norwich, you know, yes, we had the players come from whether it was the Yankees, Giants, Tigers, whoever was coming in, but I – think the ticket sales and everything just stayed in house um, oh. i'm not sure how the contract exactly worked because a professional organization having to run that many minor league teams i think they take a little bit of that stress off them um they handle all the player development and everything but the stadium and the town gives them an opportunity to have a minor league team there and take that kind of facility and uh different tickets different things like that off their plate so um, that makes sense i'm sure he benefited from it somehow though so yeah i I agree that there's some level i'm sure he was just excited about um it being with his team at the very least even in their farm system um i also thought before he came back um it seemed like the baseball strike actually helped um derail his baseball career and and kind of was a a way to kind of lead him back into basketball so i I wonder it's one of those sliding doors what if like if the baseball strike doesn't happen does he still pursue it and does he even consider going back to basketball um because it seemed like a lot of people were encouraged by his development um i know frank kona even said it um and he's not a nobody uh so that was just an interesting what if sliding doors thing um and the other thing I wanted to get your opinion on was um, when Michael's out and the they went to the Scottie Pippen game where he sits out in the playoffs. Um, wanted to hear your thoughts, especially after he said he would do it again. I was I was shocked when when Scottie said he would do it again because I would have thought he would have said no, I would never do that again. But maybe he's trying to own it. Um, I don't think he'd actually do it again, or maybe he just thinks like the headspace I was in at that point thinking the same way I was thinking I, I probably would do it again not like happily do it again but um I kind of understand where I was coming through coming from at that moment um I couldn't believe that someone of his caliber would would be that uh, in a sense petty um and be that upset in the in well, that important of a game like that was the playoffs and against one of their rivals and I get like his thing like hits his team so on and so forth but like he the goal is to win and like you you've already won too so you should be like aware of like the, that team aspect and and kind of let your ego down for like 
that last like two seconds, especially after Tony Kukoc had proved that he could make them. Because they've already ran that play like a few times and it worked. Wasn't it definitely not a good look for Scotty? I think everybody agrees on it. No, uh, it's definitely a black mark on his on his legacy overall. I think people still talk about it to this day. I mean, yes, this, so, I mean this documentary is going to bring more uh, spotlight to it, but I think it was some, something people already talked about a lot. I think documentary hurts. I, I hadn't really heard of that. Not that I dove into Scotty Pippen's career at a great length, so I probably would have learned of that pretty quickly if I did. Um, but I I don't totally agree with everybody saying like it's it's a huge black mark because I think he's done a pretty good job to, you know, rebuild his image. Um, you know, everybody I think that talks about Scotty thinks he's one of the best players to ever play the game. Um, MJ sidekick was a great player. Um, so I think he's rebuilt his image from that pretty well. Um, I think it might have helped that MJ wasn't on the team. So um, it's kind of the years that are – the forgotten bulls years in the nineties, I would kind of call them. Um, so I think he's made somewhat of a comeback from that. And it's not as big of a deal now. I can't believe he did it. And I think it is a horrendously bad look, but I think he's done enough to rebuild his image since then. Yeah. I, I mean, ESPN was just doing a list of the top 74 basketball players of all time. And they had him at 21 um, and MJ at one. So it's kind of goes back to what I was saying. A lot of people consider him to be a top 25, uh, top 20 guy of all time. So, I mean, he's definitely, his accolades still kind of speak for themselves. Um, but having moments like that doesn't help because um, sometimes the negatives outshine a lot of the positives, um, especially when your teammates, Michael Jordan, he gets credit for a lot of the positive uh, accomplishments. Um, but during this time off too is when Michael is doing his Space Jam thing, which is another thing that we really liked. Do you think there is, or Jordan has access to the uh, film of those pickup games when he had the bubble built for him to play some pickup? Because I would love to watch those. You think he filmed them? Uh, I mean, they had some. They had some like clips of it, similar to like the Monte Carlo one. So there's got to be like full game footage. But like Reggie Miller is saying, it's like some of the best basketball has ever played. Man, I wish I could watch some of that stuff. Uh, from the, the angle they were filming the games, I don't think so. Um, I think a bunch of teams at that point would have been kind of ticked off if there was film of their players playing in pickup games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do wish I could watch it. That's cool that they built the Jordan Dome like that. Um, I mean, that's kind of a got guys to come in. It was the thing to do was go out and play basketball, pick up games with Jordan on right. the Space Jam. So uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty. What, what a movie star, man! Can you build me a basketball court? Hey, the highest grossing uh, basketball film of all time. Um, made a lot of money merchandise wise and everything for Warner Brothers. So I think building that, that basketball court and weight room for him was nothing. Yeah, it was worth it for them. Um, but that that was uh, funny to see that that was his demand. Um, but then, so then the show switches and he comes back um, and we get to see one of my favorite teams of all time, uh, the Penny Shack, uh, Orlando Magic. Yep. Um, it made me think of some of the other, my f- other favorite teams that aren't like my, like I'm a Celtics fan, but like seeing um, Penny and Shaq, Penny was one of my favorite players of all time. I loved that 30 for 30 about them. Yep. Um, and then some of the other ones, I mean, seeing, we see later on Gary Payton and Sean Kemp was a great team to watch. 
uh, which, by the way, Seattle definitely needs to get a team back there again. Seattle Supersonics was a, was a great team. I wish they still existed. Um, and then I love the Steve Nash, uh, Mari Stoudemire uh, sons. I, I still wish Nash was, was able to win a, a title. I actually like the Barkley, Kevin Johnson uh, Phoenix Suns as well. Uh, that was a fun team to watch. And then uh, I, I really like the Russell Westbrook, KD, James Harden, Thunder. Uh, that was a fun team to, to watch, too, from a more recent uh, team. But I, it got me thinking of some of the, like, man, that was such a fun duo uh, team to watch. No, I agree. I love that. I like that 30 for 30 behind the Magic with Penny and Shaq. Um, the fact that they made what back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals, I think, um, was pretty awesome, um, and hard to believe they didn't they didn't get over the hump. Yeah, and, uh, find a way to get a win. Oh, actually, they did make the finals. They lost the to the uh, the Rockets. Rockets. Those two teams, outstanding teams, by the way. Those Houston Rockets teams that won those championships. Hakeem Olajuwon was an unreal player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a cool dynamic, and what they built down there in Orlando was neat. Um, but it's interesting to see how yeah Jordan was the best player, but even even he could be held back by having a different. He was playing a different sport in baseball. Right. He I mean, turn, he, he couldn't just turn it on every night. Like he no. Go 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 go, or just throw on a cape and go for it. So, um, yeah, he has the talent like that nobody else has, but he clearly clearly works at his craft. Yeah, I mean, he only played seventeen games that season before they got into the uh, playoffs. And it seemed like he was a little slow to start, but like picked it up pretty quickly, um, which is a testament to him and his work ethic um, and his talent. Um, but yeah, I still don't even count that as a season. I know it's counted as like, oh, MJ played like 13 seasons with the Bulls. I'm like, ah, I don't know if you can really count that one as a season. It was 17 games, but um, so it's more like 12 seasons with them. Um, but yeah, no, that was... It's wild that he even – I'm surprised he didn't just sit out the whole year. I'm surprised he actually came back um, kind of at the tail end of the of the season and didn't just wait to, to pick it up in 96 or 95, 96 season. He just did what he wanted. He didn't yeah. He, whatever MJ but wanted. It was money for the Bulls, so they were going yeah. to say no to that. They, they would make it work, no, without a doubt. Um, which then it leads into that, that big season, the 72-10 and 10 team, uh, which is one that – people consider to be some of the, the one of if not the best team of all time um i love their uh tagline don't mean a thing without the ring especially after the warriors uh, ended up beating that record but losing in in the game seven um in that season uh, but i thought that was a, a good tagline for them and then just seeing mj being able to win the title on on father's day um and that emotion that came out when he's just lying on the ground with the ball um balling uh very emotional um and kind of it's it's all of what was being talked about his competitiveness and and how much it meant to him winning his relationship with his father it all kind of comes to a a head at that last moment where he's able to win um that fourth title um in that way and on that day um and just seeing all that emotion and how much it meant to him it all shows through right there yeah it was i great series i like gary payton um i thought that was interesting yeah seeing mj laugh at his interview <laughs> again who knows if that's another thing um michael jordan made up with the george carl at dinner thing i know what sounded like you <laughs> did he make something up again to motivate him i don't know i don't think he needed anything to motivate him at that point um no. 
But yeah, another great series. I think you're right. I would love to see another. I'd love to see an NBA team return to Seattle. Um, you know, the WNBA team's pretty good right now. So having an NBA team just as good would be, would be pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, no, I, I and I don't. I think it's actually going to happen at some point. I, I could see the NBA expanding the 32, so they'll probably add a team there, and maybe Vegas, um, or maybe something international in Mexico City um, or something like that. But um, yeah, I can definitely see them kind of um, adding Seattle back in it at some point in the near future. For sure. But I would be fully supportive of that because that was a great team, um, great logo, great great uniforms and um just i think that city cares a lot about their sports and they they got the seahawks and that's one of the loudest stadiums the mariners i think kind of fill it up too um even if they're not as successful um so giving them an nba team and i think their uh soccer team um has a lot of fans as well um yeah, people well. yeah um but no so i'm excited we got nine and ten coming up on sunday this is all going to come to an end um, so we'll get those last two titles, um, and really the last, that whole playoff, uh, I think we got the Pacers coming up in that battle. I think that was one of the toughest series for them and they're looking forward to more on Reggie Miller. Cause I know they had a very yeah. relationship with each other. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and more talk about the jazz. I mean, those jazz yeah. are really good. So I want you to hear more about that stock and Malone. You want to talk about good duos. There's one for you right there. Yeah, that will. I mean, that's, that ends up being the the finals matchup the next two seasons. So I'm sure they'll they'll dive into that world, um, and yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, can't wait. I'm sad to see this series come to an end though, because um, it's been keeping us occupied, giving us a lot to talk about, nice nostalgia. Um, but uh, can't wait. Can't wait for Sunday. All right. Anything? Oh, you want to talk about Jordan rankings? Did you spend a little bit more time thinking about the shoes? I did look at the shoes. You know, I actually did take a dive into them. I, um, you know, looked up a few and thought about a few different things. Um, I think like I think the ones I most definitely would wear would probably be the ones you know just wearing around stylish wise. Um, I didn't realize they were considered like the rule break rule breaking Jordans. Um, he got fined every time he wore them because they were against the uniform policy. Yeah, there's a great documentary about it. It's, I think it's called Band um, or something. It dives into that whole thing. There's actually some controversy around whether or not that was the actual shoe that did it. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the classic. So is that the one that you would see yourself wearing, too, is the, the that first one? Those are the Jordan 11s, probably like the Concord. I see a lot of guys turn those into golf shoes now. Yeah. Um, so I think I like that Jordan 11 also. So I think that might be one. I would definitely wear. Um, I think the Jordan ones I found that I liked. It was called Yin Yang. It was a white, black, white, pretty simple. But uh, okay, I think that's some style I definitely wore. And I like the pure gold ones. His Jordan Sevens that he wore for the Olympics, especially the style that he wore for the Olympics. I know he won the championship that there year in the Elevens too. But the pair he wore at the Olympics I thought were pretty cool looking. So um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I had the 11s on my list, but most of mine were the Jordan 1s, so I had the original one. Then there is this the Off-White um, collaboration that happened. I think those shoes sell for like somewhere between $1,000 and $2,000 on resale now, um, where it was just kind of a, a different take on that original Air Jordan 1. And then I also really like the Shattered Backboards, which are like the orange, black, and white ones. 
Um, those ones look really nice. Or they don't even be the orange and black ones, um, the original ones. There's been a couple variations of it. Um, but that, that look and style um, really coveted in the sneaker industry. Um, I said I already had the 11 Conquers. Those are great ones as well. Um, and then I like the Jordan 4s too because they're very similar to the Jordan 3s, which are like my number one shoe. So like the Jordan 4s, the black and red ones, um, very similar to the Jordan 3s. So of course I like that look as well. Um, but it was just kind of a nice little twist and update to the Jordan 3s, which I really liked. For sure. All right, and you actually had, we talked about um, different documentary ideas um, that we were, like, would be interested in watching, and you actually seemed like you either made it happen or, or knew I the future, saw the future, something happened, uh, but you got you got your wish. Be careful, people. When I talk, people listen, all right? Um, ESPN, they, they're having a list of a few uh, come out this summer for 30 for 30s. But the one I talked about in an earlier episode about I wanted a Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa documentary about their home run race in 98. And what are we getting on June 14th? Long gone summer. It's about Mark <laughs> McGuire and Sammy Sosa and the 98 summer uh, home run race they have. So I'm super excited for that. June 14th. I can't wait. I get what I want, people. people listen <laughs> to me. So if you want something, come talk to me. Don't get on my bad side. <laughs> I'm pumped for that. It's going to be good. Yeah, that'll be a fun one to watch. I, I'm excited. The 30 for 30s, they always do a good job. Uh, I could watch almost any of them, even if it's something I wasn't previously interested in or, or could care less about. Um, they seem to always find a way to make me interested in them. This one, I wouldn't have needed that, but because um, I remember following along with this um, kind of in real time. Um, still remember Maguire's kind of like record-breaking home run, the one that barely made it over the wall. Um and uh just the battle between those two um yeah I'll, I'll be exciting to to see them dive into that and i wonder how much will uh involve the steroids um aspect of it too for sure it's got to be, be fun conversation has to be yeah for sure um all right so a lot of stuff to watch We've got the golf tournament on saturday i'm excited to recap that with you um once that happens any predictions on who you think will win that between those two i'm gonna go with uh what is it dj dj and rory yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I like Ricky's my favorite of of all those four. He's actually my favorite, like one of my favorite golfers on the tour. Yep. I just don't know enough about this Wolf guy, and I know DJ and Rory are um, kind of top tier. Um, so I think they'll they'll eke it out. Yeah, DJ and Rory both hit the ball a mile, and I think DJ's short game is one of the best in the PGA. So I'm going with those two. Yeah, I think that'll be a fun one. So I'm excited for that. And we got the last two episodes of The Last Dance. Sad to see it go, but very excited to see how they close it out um, and, and see that come to an end. Um, bittersweet, but excited. And then we'll dive into where Parks and Rec starts to get a little bit better. Uh, season two, do you want to, how many episodes do you want to do for that? Keep it at like three again? or They stay like the same length, right? No, well, yeah, same uh, time length, but the season's much longer. Yeah, but the same time length. So, yeah, let's keep it at three episodes. That'll be good. All right, cool. So let's start diving into episode one through three of season two um, and see what else ends up happening. Maybe we'll get some more sports news uh, related to some of these leagues coming back or not um, and see what happens there. Or not. So um, please make sure you continue to follow us at Sports and Rec Pod on Twitter um, and Anthony, how can people uh, follow your blog or get it to you weekly like I do in my inbox? 
Yeah, so there's um, a website that I write most of my blog, um, longer blog posts, which I'm actually in the works. I have some things ideating in my head right now for some longer form, which is where I write those, uh, at salutemysports.com. I've been seeing Pitch Perfect on TV all the time. Um, I don't know why, but FX has been playing like Pitch Perfect 1, 2, and 3 just consistently over the weekend. So, And Pitch Perfect is one of my favorite movies. Um, in, in my opinion, it's a sports movie. So I'm going to make the case for why it's a sports movie. Um, and so that will be something I'll have some fun with, still working on how to piece that together. Um, but uh, So yeah, you can find the longer form pieces at salutemysports.com. And then within that, there's a way to sign up for the newsletter um, where you can get my weekly newsletter, which I send out on Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Um, kind of same uh, general idea as this podcast, but uh, get to articulate my thoughts a little bit better because uh, I'm a better writer than I am a talker. Um, so I get to kind of just dive into things that were interesting to me and, and uh, what was standing uh, stood out to me and things I want to uh, talk about at the time. Um, but I, I enjoy them weekly. Um, you turn me on to some shows I don't watch all the time, and then I'm always interested in your sports take, even if I don't agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way for me to practice getting my thoughts out, and then I can look back and be like, oh, I should have said this instead, uh, or I can make this update to it. Um, but yeah, so that's that. And uh, follow us on, you can find this, the podcast on anywhere, uh, but that's Sports and Recreation is the name of the podcast. Um, and you can follow us on Spotify. Uh, but you can also uh, follow along and listen um, wherever you listen to your podcast. Great talking to you again, Casey, and uh, we'll see you again next week. See you next week.